Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I am Maggie Ulmer, and we have the whole team in on this conversation today. Today we're talking about evangelism. This is something we cover a lot in our awakening weekends. We have a lot of conversations about how to do it, how to incorporate it into your normal everyday life, why it's important, especially for the church right now. We're going to get into all of those things in this episode. And then next week, we have a part two coming at you. So this is an important topic. It's a really interesting conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome back to the podcast. And today we have a great conversation for you guys. Um, Let's see, Matt, why don't you kick us off? What are we talking about today? Well, I think we're going to talk about evangelism or um, we're going to talk about just what it looks like uh, to get more intentional about personally sharing your faith. And really, this is going to flow out of one of the main modules that we often cover on our awakening weekends. Um, A lot of times when churches invite us in, one of the things that they ask us to help with is just really helping people um, overcome some fear barriers and get more intentional about sharing their faith with others, which is, if we're honest, probably something that most church folks in most of our churches struggle with. And I think one of the important things as we dive into this conversation is to think about it from an identity of the Christian standpoint and not a program of the church. And most of the things that we talk about in our awakening weekends are going to be core Christian identity issues. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to encourage first and foremost, before we get into the, like the pragmatic discussion of evangelism is that there isn't a committee in the world that will actually do the work of evangelism that can be done by Christians who actually believe in what they're doing. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, uh, that shift in mindset is probably a good place to start um, because part of what our training is in response to is kind of just acknowledging a shift in the religious landscape of our country And then um, encouraging people that we have to shift how we think about evangelism and how we think about reaching new people for Jesus, maybe differently than what people have done for a number of decades in typical church culture. So, so what I was going to say, why don't we start there? I mean, why don't we start where, what is the, the sort of the um, lay of the land as it stands today? Well, one of the stats that we um, often share with folks uh, on weekends is that popular study from Pew Research that has been updated a number of times, but most recent data that I can recall is 2021, and that showed 29% of U.S. adults claim no religious belief of any kind. And so I think one of the 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 shifts that people need to get in their head and this is this can be hard for some church folks especially folks that have kind of been immersed in church culture for a long time uh they tend to think about the u.s as sort of a christian country yeah and um in their mind the u.s is kind of the place that sends out missionaries into the world and that while there are certain elements of that that are have been true we're just not we're not in the same place that we've always been, and increasingly, um, I think we have to think about North America as a growing mission field, 
um, at least that's what missiologists tell us that yeah. North America, given the the number of people who are no longer religious of, at all, fewer people who would claim Christianity as sort of their worldview, and the combination of that plus people coming here from every nation, mm-hmm. the opportunity that we have to reach them, that North America is one of the largest mission targets in the globe. Yeah, in fact, I think it might even be the same Pew Research study that talks about that, if I'm not mistaken. It's one of the fastest growing mission fields in the world. Yeah. So, and that's different than what a lot of longtime church folks think, how they think about the church. And so part of shifting our personal practice is just coming to grips with the reality around us. You know, if you've just been embedded in a church bubble for a long time, I think we think it's like, well, you know, I mean, a lot of people go to church probably good if I invite people once in a while, but we don't have a sense of urgency or personal responsibility that I think ought to come when we understand the actual landscape. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I I would be interested to hear uh, from you, Emma, specifically about um, kind of where you see your peers. Like if you think about your friends um, that you graduated high school with, or maybe associates, I'm not sure that they, you know, it's, it's hard to keep friends after high school, but... And when she graduated in the middle of COVID, so she didn't even get to, <laughs> right, to be right. in yeah. person with her. I, I would be school. curious just what, what's your uh, perception of um, Christianity in America? Okay, yeah. Um, I think one of the, you know, one of the statistics that we share on Awakening Weekends um, kind of touches on this, and I can't remember the exact number, so Matt, maybe you can help me, but um, basically, it goes along the lines of this. The vast majority of, is it millennials and under? Yeah, I think you're talking about a Barna study that yeah. talks about how many, yeah. so that, I'll, I'll just give you the yeah, stat. Please, yeah. uh, half of all millennial Christians view evangelism as wrong. Right. So I want to start with this. Because I think that this is very true. I remember being in high school and um, even parts of my college life. And it is very typical to talk to someone. And if you bring up any type of religious conversation about belief, it can be viewed as offensive or as... um, in, pushy. Yeah, it's it's pushy. It's like doing I'm attacking harm. you. That's yeah, the word that I hear sometimes. right. It's it's doing harm. Some people even take it as a type of spiritual abuse, if it goes that far. But so that's just a reality of where some of the younger generations are at or have grown up to believe about evangelism is that if anyone is approaching you about what you should believe or trying to convert you. It's some type of mind game that they're trying or emotional game that they're trying to uh, get you to be a part of. Now, at the same time that I say that, I don't want to make it sound like there is no hope because the same people who may have um, these type of uh, it's it's like a wounding, but it's also these like super strong defensive mechanisms towards religion are the same people who 
are actually very hungry and very open for spiritual conversations. So I have many, many, many friends who, you know, practice all sorts of things with rocks and with astrology and all these things. They are very spiritual people, but you have to just be really careful about the way that you approach evangelism with them because they don't want to be told this is the truth. This is how, you know, you live it out X, Y, Z. It's almost always best done in relationship where you can ask questions about what they believe and it opens up a trust so that you can exchange beliefs and etc. So when I look around, it is very true that the majority of people, I would say, are somewhat against evangelism in, in, in a way. And at the same time, I mean, I think about my friends, I can see people's faces right now in my mind of people who on the outside look like they hate religion, but on the inside are just really deeply hungry. So there's another study and now I can't remember the the um, the institution that does it, but we'll link all of these things in the show notes. Um, There's another group that specifically focuses on Gen Z, which is your generation. So millennials are a little bit older. Yeah. And actually, while millennials are often um, pretty strictly non-religious if they're not going to practice a religion, they say Gen Z actually is very spiritual and tends to be very spiritually minded. Yeah. And um, even even those who call themselves atheists still think of themselves as being spiritual. It's really interesting. But they're a very ripe group for, for conversations about this stuff. Yep. And all these dynamics that you're just describing are are more reasons why we have to shift how we think about the church, local church, doing evangelism. And here's what I mean. For at least 50 years, I would say the primary way that local churches have thought about reaching new people is by attracting them to Sunday or weekend worship services. Uh, that's not the only way, but the majority of churches that we work with, even uh, it doesn't matter. This is this sort of church growth culture, which has become predominant, cuts across. Uh, it cuts across even like different traditions, mainline churches, you know, generic sort of non-denom evangelical churches, all of it. Baptist churches, like you go across the mix, the the kind of let's let's build a better product that will attract more people mentality really cuts across religious traditions in US Christianity. And so here's here's kind of the assumption that I that we like try to challenge and and we're trying to help people take uh, to uh, shift their mindset from evangelism as something that a program of the church accomplishes to something that we embody and has a personal responsibility to it right. for the individual Christian. Yeah. Um, so just think about your own church. You, you know, if you're listening, you're most likely involved in a local congregation. When we talk about reaching new people for Jesus, I think most of our conversations for a while have uh, hinged on what we can do to attract more people. We think about how we can adjust worship styles on Sunday morning. We think about what programs we can offer that would get people to show up at the building. We think about 
uh, what staff need to be in place to better accomplish those things I just described. It's all, when we talk about reaching new people, it's usually some kind of, um, you know, button that the church can push that we think will cause greater numbers of folks to show up. But if the reality is what we're describing, then the people like Emma we're just talking about, the 30% of uh, U.S. adults who have no religious belief, they don't care what you're offering at your church. Yeah. And this is what I'm trying to like, yeah. you know, encourage folks in local church all the time. You can spin your wheels all day. I don't care if what you're offering is literally the best program that any church offers for a five state radius. It doesn't matter if that person isn't interested. All of those things, um, tweaking your Sunday mornings, the different kinds of tractional programs that we offer, assume that people are interested inherently in coming to church in the first place. And not only are some people just not interested, they actually they're kind of anti-interested. They don't. They just don't think it's a place that's going to help them find what they're looking for. And so messing with the stuff that we offer to try to attract more people just isn't, that's not a, that's not an approach to evangelism that is designed for our current reality. So, well, um, I want to ask you a question, Tony, but there's a metaphor you use all the time about the, um, the, tape deck oh yeah that's a it's a stupid I know, one but, but i think it's great i i always tell people yeah it's like we are obsessed with becoming the best cassette deck manufacturers on the planet and i no one is it, buying it doesn't matter those. how many features you add to the thing no one cares no one's <laughs> buying cassette decks anymore and some of our our church <laughs> growth methods have, were designed in an era where people sort of like, you kind of assumed that people were going to go to church for the most part, and it's a matter of choosing which one. You know, the whole metaphor of church bus, shopping. Well, bus ministry, right? Yeah, like bus, bus ministry. ministry. Yeah. We called that evangelism. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, it's all, or hosting the rummage sale. So the here's, the here's the sort of flow that I always tell people in church. It's like... We know there are people out there that need Jesus because we know the world is broken. We see, we see people around us. We see all the terrible stories on the news. We know there are people out there that need Jesus. And so we, our, our instinct, because of what we, way we've been shaped in church, is, okay, well, how can we get them in here so we can tell them about Jesus? Yeah. That's how we think about it. And so we sit in a room with other church people trying to scheme them up like whether we're on a, an evangelism committee or we're on the board at our church or we're just in our Sunday school class or whatever, we sit in a room with other Christian people trying to scheme up ways that the people out there who need Jesus can come in here so they can hear about Jesus. And I just fundamentally think that's the wrong approach in general. It's not how Jesus reached new people. It's not how historically, I mean... When you, you know, a lot of folks who are tied to spirit and truth come out of the Wesleyan Methodist tr tradition. That's not how our movement got started. When you look at how evangelism was done, just, uh, and I'll go even further. I don't even <laughs> think it's just like, obviously, this is kind of a hot issue for me. Yeah. Not only is it not working now because people are just not wandering into the church. I, I mean, I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but people are not beating down the doors to get into your church. Like, because you offered a, a great worship service. Not only is it not working now, I actually think, and we don't have to get into this today unless you want to, Maggie, since you're in charge, apparently. Um, 
apparently. I actually think our approach to evangelism and making weekend worship, our pri- using that as a primary, in our heads, the primary way that we reach new people, we actually, we harmed the discipleship of the church in the process. We sabotaged ourselves by moving towards these attractional models. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's just not working. Actually, part of the reason why we are where we are mm-hmm. is because we thought we could, this was the way that we could reach new people. Yeah. And we diluted the church in the process. Well, I have a question I've been hanging on to for Tony really quick, but really, yeah. do you know what a tape deck is? Emma. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> did you so look wait up after you, you know were no do you know what a cassette is i just need to clarify it's the it's the rectangle that goes <laughs> <laughs> yes. i think that you used to be able to put them in cars yes that's right yes. right okay to listen to music yeah right mm. it was wow. like before a cd do you know right. yeah do you do you know what the relationship to a pencil and a cassette is no oh wow Okay. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, it's fine. <laughs> we're all sad. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> Keep it going. We're um, we're we're just recognizing how old we are. Yeah, Tony. Um, actually, Matt, what you're saying feeds directly into this question I have for you, Tony, which is, or rather, would you mind talking about the particular conviction you have for, you know, as a leader, spending particular uh, amount of your work week outside of the church, but also having friends that are not specific, you know, just inside your church bubble. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that we often talk about is, um, is that the identity of the Christian is to lead people to Christ. And one of the things that happens with church leaders is that, um, we often get so insulated with church people that there's no one in our life who is a non-Christian. And so one, one of the challenges that I often make to guys that I'm discipling and leaders that I'm coaching is that we need to find streams of non-Christians and put ourselves in the streams intentionally. And so those streams, maybe it's sports, maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's the arts, maybe it's dance, whatever the case is. Uh, those That's your stream, dance. Dance, dance obviously. Jazz. <laughs> Interpretive dance. Interpretive Dance. We'll we'll post a video of Tony <laughs> doing interpretive dance. Nobody pops it and locks it like I do. Um, oh boy! Oh just boy. talking about his kneecaps, people. <laughs> but so the the thing is, is that we often get so insulated with church people that there's no one around us um, to share the gospel with who hasn't heard it already. And so one of the worst things I think ever in, invented for church staff our church offices, right? I, I would, I, I have strong <laughs> opinions about this because so much of what we do ends up happening inside the church that it's not a very outward facing posture. Now, do I think offices are important for counseling and for study for message prep? Sure, right? Like, and I enjoy a good office like anyone else, but the, the problem is when you spend all your time inside the church, you miss the people who don't know that the church is, in fact, the hope. Mm. Amen. You know, Spirit and Truth, I've often shared uh, one of the things that was eventually led to me launching Spirit and Truth was this conviction in my life that the Lord kind of brought to the surface where 
I just realized in a in a season a number of years back that I was going for long stretches without ever having a conversation about Jesus with someone who didn't go to my church. Mm. And I think the reality is that's actually the norm for most of our church people. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's absolutely. True. If you surveyed people in your church, the vast majority, if you if they had to name the last time they had a spiritual a, an intentional spiritual conversation with someone who was not inside their church bubble or that they knew was actively involved in another church. You know what I'm saying? Like that these are church people, whether it's my church or someone else's, I think the percentage would be dramatically low. Yeah, I'm always surprised when we go to churches and, you know, you're giving the statistics, you're kind of casting a vision for what the reality is right now. I'm always surprised by how many people are sitting there listening and shaking their head or like having this distraught look on their face like they're surprised. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, we have all of these conversations about as Christians about evangelism or reaching the next generation and how horrible it is and hard it is. But I just can't say that without having uh, being in proximity to people who are in the next generation. Like we can't say, Oh, it's so horrible. They, they just reject us. They don't want this. They don't blah, blah, blah. When you aren't actually, you've never actually tried. You've just assumed. So it is always, you know, really interesting to think about, man, when was the last time that I spoke with someone about Jesus? Yeah, I think that one of the things that's important to keep in mind about that is as you're listening, evangelism, the the Lord gives us that as a gift yeah, mm-hmm. to share with other people, right? Like when you, when I share my faith with someone, my faith gets stronger. Yeah. And when I see someone come to Christ, um, my faith gets stronger. Oh, heck yeah. Right? And when I disciple someone, you, you know, so the, the Lord can do all of this without us, but he invites us into it because he loves us so much that he wants us to, to partner, to co-labor with him in building the kingdom of God. And man, that that just gets me in all the feels, right? Like, it's so good. It's so good. And so evangelism is a is a really a gift. It's not a task. It's a gift. We get to share Jesus with people. Now, Tony, I know you're, you look like you're about to jet. You got to go. But um, I just want to ask you really quickly, do you think that it's crazy? So, so like if, like I'm listening to this conversation, I'm thinking to myself, um, do you think it's crazy to like create a space in your life where you're going to intentionally interact with groups of people that you know are not? Like take on a hobby where you know you're going to be uh, around a bunch of things, you know, or people who don't believe in Jesus. No, I, I think that's crucial. I, I think, you know, as we talk about those non-Christian streams, right, there are opportunities to insert yourself. I, I would love to see churches stop doing like Wednesday night Bible studies just for the sake of doing <laughs> Wednesday night Bible studies and push all those people into communities where they can serve on the PTO where they can serve in the sports, where they can serve in the arts, where they can serve in, um, you know, the community beautification process, right? That That is an opportunity, a place to do ministry. And then ideally, right, evangelism and disciple-making are partners, right? Robert Coleman's book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, is really a book about disciple-making. And so what happens is, is you've got these non-Christian streams that you swim in, and then you pop back into your relationships that are intentional, relational, reproducible, the disciple-making ones, and we strengthen each other to go back out. 
And then what we do on Sunday is a celebration of of how God moved throughout the week, right? And and it's kind of this beautiful representation of all of it. Hmm. Well, yeah. yeah, that's, that's good. awesome. I'm sure you, I'm sure there are a bunch of people out there feeling like their toes are stepped on now that you've uh, you've uh, poked the Wednesday night bear. Well, I, I I like Wednesday night Bible studies when they're done well. I I don't mind them. But what what I hear more often than not is people tell me that they don't have time to be evangelists, mm. or they don't have time to be disciple makers, or they don't have time to do anything else. Well, listen, guys. I, I mean, if if you don't have time to share what Jesus has done in your life, then you're drastically underselling what Jesus has done in your life. Goodness. And you need to cut out everything else to get to that part because it's so it's so important in your faith, and it's important of the faith of your yeah. neighbor. Mm-hmm. I've I've often told people told people um, you know when it comes to disciple making and it would apply to evangelism as well, like if you're if you are so busy in your life if that you can't you don't have the time to disciple one or two other people or to share your faith with other people then you are busier than Jesus wants you to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean because you're missing out on the core stuff that He's asked you to do as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, I I love what Matt I love what you and. Um, some of the guys that you're discipling are doing now at Stillwater, you started a, a travel baseball team, right? Yeah. So now this is not, this is not upward and there's nothing wrong with upward, but it's a highly competitive. It's a, a full blown cost travel baseball team that the church is sheltering underneath its umbrella. And what's essentially doing is it's, it's creating an opportunity to surround yourself with, uh, to, to share values of Jesus yeah. with people who don't know Jesus and to, to represent Jesus in places where Jesus isn't normally welcome. Yeah, most of the families that are part of that are not church family. They, they don't go to church anywhere. Yeah, and, and this is the best part, Pastor, who's listening. They're paying full price for this. Yeah. They're, they're committing four nights a week for three months to be a part of a competitive baseball team where the values are going to be based on Jesus, led by a pastor and one of the guys that he's discipling. Like, th- this is the kind of relational evangelism that can happen if you're willing to take your faith into places that may not have any faith. So just to kind of uh, kind of wrap up this section that we've been talking about, the overall shift that we want to encourage you to think about in your church and for any leader that's listening that you could then uh, invite your people to consider is, what does it look like to move from this idea that evangelism is something that the church does some, you know, we sort of talk about it in a vague entity that the church does rather than when we talk about evangelism, we do it looking in the mirror. Mm. You know, how do we shift people from thinking about evangelism as a strategy to a personal responsibility? And how do we as a church shift from thinking, how do we attract people into this place so they can hear about Jesus? And rather, instead of obsessing over how to trick people into the building, focus on how do we equip the people we already have so that we can send them as missionaries into the spheres where they already live, work, yes. and play. Yes. And I think on our next podcast episode, we should get into some of the fundamental practices of what does evangelism look like in the neighborhood, like when we're sending somebody out, some of the stuff that we talk about in the, the weekend training. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss part two of this conversation. Yeah, that's good. I was thinking the same thing. Like uh, this kind of talks about it. For, we've we've kind of covered just a general philosophical kind of shift on evangelism, and we should probably do a whole another episode on just 
practically, how do we start helping people live out this new reality? Yeah. And the thing is, is to evangelism doesn't need to feel like a burden. I think a lot of people like, and we'll talk about this in the next episode. There are a lot of things that feel scary, but even just conceptually, philosophically, it's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like there's so so many ways, and I will, and I do want to just leave one challenge on here at the end for mm-hmm. any pastor or leader that is listening to this. Listen, don't expect your people to do evangelism if you're not doing it yourself. If you don't regularly have stories to share with your church about people that you talk to who don't go to church, they're not going to do it either. That's the truth. So, I mean, the same thing in all these core practices that we talk about, prayer, life in the spirit, disciple making, evangelism. If that's not a regular part of your own Christian life, it's not going to be a regular part of the people that you're leading either. All right, guys, that's our podcast for today. Remember to hit the subscribe button and leave a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. And of course, the highest compliment you can pay us is when you share this podcast with a friend. And if you're interested in um, the ministry that Spirit and Truth does, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life. And we'll come back to you in the next conversation. Bye. Bye.